want to welcome everyone back to the Duck Pond Wall. Thanks for being with us today on WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. The Duck Pond Wall is a little show that we do where we get to sit and catch up with some cool graduate and talk about jobs and families and, and projects. And we pretend like we're sitting on the Duck Pond Wall because, am I right? That's where you sit to catch up with your friends, right? Exactly. Right. So today with me on the uh, virtual imaginary duck pond wall is Dave Charlton, Emory and Henry class of 1979. What are you doing? How are you doing? How are you? Where are you? Let's get you, <laughs> let's start right there. How are you, Dave? Okay. That's 30 minutes of questions right there. We're done. All I right. know. We don't have enough time to do all the other cool stuff now. <laughs> so thanks, Monica. I'm so thrilled to be here. Um, you know, I have loved and supported Emory Henry for forever, seems like, since yeah. since I was there. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm living in Asheville, North Carolina for about the last 20 years almost. Ooh. And most recently, 2020, I what I call change careers, um, going from a paid job to a non-paid, non-profit job. Mm -hmm. um, Nobody's making so, profit. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, we're not either, but uh, we're making a lot of uh, health profit and and just joy profit and feel good profit every day. Let me day. tell you, I, I looked at, we're going to talk about this, this project you're doing called Bounty and Soul. And I looked at the website and I wanted to marry the website. I, I liked your mission <laughs> statement. I liked the dance of vegetables. I liked everything about it. I can't wait to get into that. But before we do, yeah. I do want folks to have a sense of who you are career-wise, like what you've been yep. doing, because as you say, you've only transitioned out of this workaday world recently, about a year ago. So what what did you do in your career before you started being bountiful and soulful? Yeah, the journey was, you know, after Emory, I spent actually a number of years trying to figure out what the journey needed to be and uh, what I was going to do and lived in Richmond, Virginia for a while um, with, you know, friends, joined friends from Emory and then had roommates from Emory and ultimately I uh, or uh, landed on a career in telecommunications. Um, I learned through uh, serendipity that I was really good computer programmer and that's kind of how it all started. But Dave, um, they didn't they didn't have computers when you were doing well they, yeah they just had them. <laughs> when I graduated, I think we had our first little whatever it was, ticker tape thing for Dr. Combo. But I didn't do I had no idea, but I just found out I was really good at it. And and so was head of IT for a number of years in a cable to television company up in Northern Virginia. I spent like 15 years in Northern Virginia after Richmond and uh, worked my way up the corporate ladder, um, all the way up to a vice president of business development level um, there. And company got purchased, started my own company with some other counterparts from colleagues from that company. And, and one day, my wife and I looked at ourselves and said, why are we living in Northern Virginia? Let's just move now where we want to retire. Good for um, you. So we, we moved to we, well, we only had a couple criteria. It was, I wanted to be in the mountains and we wanted to be closer to grandkids that lived in Atlanta area, kids and grandkids. Looked at a map, there's Asheville. And it was like, holy, that's the holy grail of where I wanted it, to be. It really is. People love that town. 
Oh my gosh, I'm never leaving. Um, <laughs> so then I actually worked my way down the corporate ladder. Um, I, I was a consultant for a while and and worked for Motorola. You would everybody would know the name Motorola. Um, yeah. And then went through like uh, work from home. I was way ahead of my time. I worked from home for <laughs> 20 years. Whoa, did you from, really? From 2000 to 2020, I worked from home um, in various roles within the telecommunications companies where I was a consultant. I was sales, business development, program manager, project manager, just a lot of different things. But you could do it all from home. Get it all from home. Try, you know. There were a years, a couple of years, maybe I traveled a lot, but most of the time I didn't travel much and got to enjoy the mountains of Western North Carolina. Wow. And of course, being closer to Emory and Henry. Most yes. Yes. Because, you know, come football <laughs> season, there's a certain, there's a certain little tailgating spot um, for homecoming mm. that you need to be in. That's correct. Every yeah. year. Never miss it. <laughs> have you ever missed homecoming? Yeah. Well, I have to say, I, I know that I have. I don't remember the years, but okay. I, I know I, I know I missed a few, but we do. Not been we, keep, many. we do. We keep a list. And there's, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Well, that was the day before videos. So, you know, you had to work hard <laughs> at that. That's exactly right. All right. So. Um, all right. So now we have a sense. Well, folks have a sense of, of who you are and what you've done in your career. And that's that. Uh, that's important. I wanted people to come to that because you're doing something very, very different now. And I am super excited to talk about this. So I'm anxious to talk to you about this because, as I said, I have, I've taken a little snooping time to look at the website for Bounty and Soul, and this is a great project. Just jump in and start telling us about it, and then we'll ask you what you do for it. Yeah, so, you know, it's my favorite topic, honestly, for the last five years, probably. Um, Bounty and Soul, www.bountyandsoul.org. Um, is an organization only founded eight years ago by a, a woman that kind of migrated down to Western North Carolina, was food insecure herself, and but had had years of of uh, education and uh, experience in the food industry, mainly mm-hmm. in the corporate in the corporate corporate world. And uh, she she just kind of landed down here in the Black Mountain area, which is just just east of, of Asheville. Sure. And started volunteering, and she saw this waste happening at, at food banks, where food banks were throwing away perfectly good produce in her mind. And, and they said, you know, nobody wants this. And she's like, well, that's that's not true. Um, so it started with her putting, doing, rest, you know, taking food that they were going to throw away and going to a farmer's market with one table and and then she started adding programs to the food part of things so the real where we are you know let's uh, go eight years later um, and it's grown substantially but today it, we've kind of morphed a bit uh, pandemic there's a pandemic part of where we are today but we are serving, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 individuals a week through two drive-through markets um, that happen on a Tuesday and a Friday where there's a couple hundred cars that come through both markets and we distribute a box of healthy produce. And there's sometimes there's some bread, but it's all plant. We we promote a plant-based diet 
you know, we're not hardcore, you know, you can't eat anything else, but that's what we promote. So that's one pillar of Bounty and Soul. And, and education is another big pillar where we, we not only distribute healthy food, but we want people to understand what it is, how to cook it, what it does for you. So we have cooking classes, we have nutrition classes, we have um, Zumba, yoga, how to grow your own garden uh, programs. And then our food sourcing comes from, we rescue food from local grocery stores, um, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, some of the other grocery, local grocery stores that otherwise would be going into the landfill. Help me um, understand that. How, I, you know, how does that, how has that become our routine that that's what happens to food? Uh, well, I guess it's the system. You know, it's basically the food system that we've had for, I don't, I don't really know. I'm not smart enough to know how long it's been in place, but you know, the system calls for grocery stores to dispose of produce once it's been on the shelf for, for X amount of days, it can vary by day. You know, it could be two days, three days, whatever, but after those days, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's going out the door. And generally speaking, it's going into the garbage that goes to the landfill, creates problems, methane, other problems right. that, you know, are environmentally is environmental issues. So that's one of our big programs is probably in this time of year in the, in the winter. It's a pretty good portion of our what we distribute. Um, and we have a truck that goes out seven days a week. No picking picking up from grocery stores, from food distributors, from farms. And that's, that's the next piece of it. The resource, food resource, probably another half of it, even more during the high growing seasons is we get food from over 44 farmers that we've partnered with in the area, along with a slew of community gardens. Yeah. And, and we are constantly you know, promoting and looking for more garden space. And there are people that, as they've learned about us, you know, there are gardens springing up all over, you know, the area that they, you know, somebody great. has a lot next to them. So they, they put a garden in, in their lot and they bring the food to us. So, and the, but the, you know, the, what's really important to us is the farmer support mm -hmm. because ultimately, you know, you mentioned, how does this happen? Well, we'd like to, change that and we have in terms of making this a local food system so th so those far 45 farmers we're not only you know they're contributing to us but we purchase from them good um especially mainly what we purchase for them are things they can't necessarily sell to a grocery store because you know everybody wants the perfect tomato and the perfect potato or right. potato <laughs> you say potato. <laughs> but, I say uh, potato. But uh, so, you know, during the spring, summer, fall, we the, what we distribute is the most beautiful produce you'd ever see. That again, grocery stores wouldn't buy, or it would just go in the landfill. 
Yeah, you know, and that's that's the thing. I've I've, I've seen these programs, these uh, businesses now that have caught on to that, and they you know they've started selling kind of ugly vegetables or, or whatever. Yeah, of yeah, but, Misfit. I've seen some of those. Yeah. Misfit misfit vegetables or misfits or something like that yeah yeah and it's just it's it's troubling that we have become these people who if it's not perfectly shaped and a perfect color then it's not edible i mean anybody who's grown a garden knows you've got wonky you've got wonky tomatoes once in a while that's just how it goes so but some of those are the best ones in the garden i'm sure yeah. that'll I'm sure that'll preach oh yeah and that's that's what we preach you know we we'll get thing is what's fun I, not, I love nothing more than to go to our markets that's what I do at least once a week of the two we have and talk to people you know and I get to hand hand boxes out or just hand what we call bonus produce out and learned this that things that are really you know it's called ripe bananas that people look at in the grocery stores like no way I'm buying that well the people that come to our markets love it because they know, first of all, health ripe tomatoes or ripe bananas are better for you than unripe tomatoes. Tomatoes, yeah. they are bananas. <laughs> oh my gosh, you just gone bananas, Dave. Yeah, I heard <laughs> that that ripe bananas are healthier. Oh yeah, they they well they basically they digest easier than you know the less ripe bananas. And so our our people that come to our markets love it because they make banana bread and smoothies. Oh, sure. And, yeah. And we just get loads of that because, you know, as soon as they turn a little brown, they're off, they're out of the grocery store. So we get a ton of bananas every year. And, you know, our, our what we call participants, they love them. Well, and, you, and you, you've hit on something that is sort of important in that you have identified people who know what to do with those. And you're also educating people on what to do with those. I just found on the website that I want to marry that you've also got videos on like cooking and recipes. And the one I'm going to go back and look here in just a minute is the one where you can grow vegetables from your vegetable scraps. I thought that was brilliant, but I mean, you, you've got to sort of teach people if they don't know, you've got to teach people what to do. And I've, I've worked at food banks here and there. And when there is fresh produce, sometimes people are like, eh, you know, whatever. And then some people come through and they're like, you've got blueberries, I'm going to make jam, I'm going to, you know, and they know what to do. And you can see the yeah. excitement on some people, whereas the other people like, I, I don't know what to do with those. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a great point, Monica, because it's, it's a really, it's a super important part of the program is the education. In fact, what we do in these boxes that we distribute, we have, there's two things. Well, there's three things we put in each box. In addition to the, this beautiful produce, is um, we put flowers in every box. We get flowers donated from, I think it's actually Trader Joe's that does donate our flowers. We put love, what we call love notes in each one. And you'd be amazed how much of a difference that makes. So somebody who's coming through and they're depressed or you know they can't afford to buy healthy food, many of them can't. And we've heard, there's lots of stories I could tell you. I could go on for hours on the stories about even just the love notes that people put on their mirrors and, you know, kept them, kept them going when they, when they were down. But, but we also put recipes in there and at each market we have, we cook something from what we're, that it's what in the boxes that week. And we share a little, a little, a little container that we give to each 
you know, to everybody coming through and they get a recipe on how to cook it. Oh, that's brilliant. So they get nutrition info directly every for every market. And you're right. There's like eight education classes a week that go on virtually now. You know, that's that's the whole pandemic model has been a bummer, um, of course. And we're going we're looking to go back to at least a hybrid model of doing in person again, because the, yeah. the last thing I want to mention, I'll let you ask another question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're doing fine. Because I can go, I can go, um, is community. It's all about community. This, all our programs, what we do, where we do it is, comes from the bottom up. We ask, we survey, we ask questions of what the community wants. And that's how it all started, you know, and, and the, when we are, when we get back to being in person, that's such a big thing. You know, there's so, so many people are isolated and, or depressed or, you know, there's just various levels of, you know, unhealthy people for various reasons, many of which they can't control. And just being a part of a community has meant so much to so many. And that's how, to me, that's the, that's the glue of all this, of how you change things, you know, is food is kind of the, the food insecurity is a big thing and is the draw, but then you put all the other pieces around it. And then that's what changes communities and what changes worlds. Well, and I realized it probably, you know, or maybe it is, maybe it's this beautiful every time, but there's a video on the website that just, it made me want to go. I mean, people are, there's so, so many volunteers. Do you have just a slew of volunteers? We do. We have 450 volunteers. And how'd you do that? That is a lot of people. Well, people love it. I mean, that's the thing, you know, and not everybody, not all the volunteers are just at a market because there's a whole lot that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, you think about a truck bringing in food seven days a week to a warehouse that has to be, you know, stored, cooled. And what we call gleaned, if you know what gleaned means. Sure. So there's a, you know, there's a slew of people that are doing that probably four days a week that are taking what's coming in and sorting it out and putting it in the boxes for, you know, the two times a week. And, and there, there are people, there's donors writing love notes. There's donors. We have donors that are like the on-call go to the orchard in Hendersonville because they've got apples that, they want somebody that they want to donate, you know, yeah. that they can't sell. Um, and we do that all over the region. You know, everybody knows about us now. So we get the call and we're, you know, we're there and we come back with, you know, pallet full of kale or, you know, just, you never know what's coming in and what's the beauty of it. You know, yeah. it's, but yeah, we've, it's, it's all about the volunteers too. We have maybe, I think we're up to 10, 12 people on staff now. Oh, like paid staff? Paid staff. That's yeah. amazing. And that's grown significantly. I, honestly, I think it was three, like wow. two, year, two years ago. But um, do you get, I mean, I know you work on um, donations, but do you also get like some grant money or do you get any government assistance? We do. Well, no government assistance right now. Um, but it's, it's actually, I think it's 65% individual and corporate donors and, and foundations and then grant money is coming. I think that's maybe 35% of our budget right now. 
but we have, you know, we have big, I, we have big visions. You know, we want <laughs> this model. We get calls from all over the country about people that want to do this. And our vision right now is to build what's called a food and wellness hub, because that's what the community wants. The community wants one place to go to where, you know, we can do the market in-person markets and cooking classes and, we can have our warehouse in the same place. We're not moving a truck all over the place. So, and we can train. We're planning to do a commercial kitchen where, you know, we can have, create job opportunities for people that want to cater, start their own restaurants. And to the, from the expansion standpoint, we, it's going to be a training facility where we can bring people in from Washington County, sure. Virginia. Sure. And they can, you know, learn how to do what we do, but, doesn't mean it's going to be the same everywhere. It's going to be different because communities are different, you know, but, but the model itself, we think is, you know, we've learned it works and, and people respond and and love it. Well, I can't say enough about how excited I am to see the, the quality of the food you're handing out because I have seen situations where it was not so hot and so this is amazing to see that you're doing that and you're able to keep up that level of that caliber of of quality how how did you get involved in this how did you did you just like drive by one day and say look honey they're dancing vegetables we should get involved with that (laughs) well but first I'll say I've been every one of those dancing vegetables at some point <laughs> in time. Uh, and there are about eight to 10 of them now. Um, but well, and um, I'm sure you're, I'm sure that your tomato is better than everybody else's tomato. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My tomato's better. My avocado is better. Yeah. My carrot's better. Got I can keep moves. going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What was the question? So, how did you get how involved? How did I get involved? Yes. <laughs> so you guys um, thinking about your dancing carrot and everything just went out of your head. I know. It happened for me where I met Ali Kasparian is the founder. And I met her through a hike, honestly, um, out in Black Mountain one day, probably a two year, a year or so before she started the organization. We we connected on a hike and she was talking to me about her vision. And then I was like, man, that, that sounds awesome. And then we hiked one more, another time. And she was like throwing the name by us, me and my friend. And, you know, what I'm thinking about this, calling it bounty and soul. What do you think? I'm like, yeah, I think that's perfect. And <laughs> so that's how I found out about it. And then I didn't immediately join the board or, you know, any major volunteer, but I did a big fundraiser for them probably after year one where they needed to buy a truck. They were just doing stuff in their own cars. And I did a fundraiser for them to help retrofit a truck that they, that they had purchased. And then finally, I guess it was now three and a half years ago. um, And I've been a donor ever since they started. And then three and a half years ago, I was like, you know, it's time I'm going to be changing careers in three years, three or so <laughs> years. I'm going to work towards what I want to do after. So I joined nice. the board and I've loved every minute of it. Just to remind everyone, we're talking today with Dave Charlton, Emory Henry class of 1979. He's telling us about 
an exciting, and I mean, really, you guys got to go to the website, an exciting food. Well, it's a, it's a food program. I don't even want to call it a, a food closet or whatever. It's, it's no. just, it's too big for that, but it's called Bounty and Soul. And they, they supply food and they find food and they teach folks how to cook and how to eat healthily and that, that that's the part that I just I just am obsessing on. I just started reading a book called In Defense of Food. This is such an interesting premise that we used to just not we got away from eating food in general. You know, we just were so hung up on all the fancy things we could do that looked like food but weren't food, and we kind of lost our way about how to eat. Yeah, yeah, we did, and and that's a big part. Uh, you know, it's it's the world, and especially you know, I, I will say. Certainly there are regions that it's it's more impactful than others. I mean, we happen to be in a region that's considered food insecure, this entire Western North Carolina region. One in four kids are food insecure in this oh. in this area. One in six households are food insecure here. Yeah, that's but yeah, point. yeah. The, and, you know, I feel like our generation and others within my lifetime you're right. You know, we, we spent a lot of time eating processed foods and, and it's been a, you know, that's something, you know, I think I, I feel like I ate pretty well most of my life, but you know, I learned differently, you know, that, right. And it's changed my life from that perspective as well. If people are thinking they don't know enough about what the situation is in their own community, I think, and I say this because the college has recently started more aggressively dealing with the fact that some of our students are food insecure. And I think that, I think that confuses people that if you can afford to go to college, then why wouldn't you have food? But for a lot of our students being here is stretching them to the limit and stretching their families to the limit. And so the, you know, the college has started paying more attention to that. And we've got some cool programs to help folks have what they need, you know, in between meals and that kind of thing. But how can we educate ourselves about our communities and about what some of the challenges are around us? Well, uh, you know, just f- going to the first part of your your conversation there, you know, we ha- it is very multi-generational. You know, we've, we've, I see it, we see a lot of college students in our lines. Um, we have a few small, you know, two or three small colleges and a university here and and that struck me as well i was like what you know what are they doing here they get um but that a lot of you know most of the time when they're coming to our markets it's when school's out you know that they they don't have their programs there but to answer your question unless you you live in an affluent suburb of a pretty good sized city it's around you it just is you know and especially in rural areas, it is absolutely around you. Yeah. And, you know, it's the person next to you in the grocery line that you just don't know they're having those issues. And, and I think it's a, another point of it is people don't want to admit it. You know, it's, that's a hard, that's something we work really hard at making people feel comfortable and not like this is, you know, Hey, we're, we're trying to save you or, we're even trying to help you. They're actually helping us. They're helping the environment by being here, saving food that was going to be thrown away. So we work, we work really hard at making people understand they really matter, you know, and that 
yeah, we're all in this together, but yeah. I've said this many times that the pandemic really put a light on the fact that we're leaning on our schools to do a lot of feeding of young people and kids and uh, fair, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure that's a fair place to, to have to put that, but, but that's just the reality that a lot of families were, have really been up against it during the times when the schools were closed because oh, yeah. how their kids ate. Yeah, well, uh, you know, our numbers quadrupled from pre-pandemic to the probably the first six months of 2020. Um, we're, 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 you know, coming out of it, we're still double now. You know, we're into another whole different situation now where the supply chain is is a mess, you know, for, for grocery stores. Grocery stores now don't have the supply. Grocery stores aren't getting the food. Thus, we're not getting food to be rescued. So we're actually buying food from local farmers now. But that's ultimately, that's to me, that's the solution. Growing and buying local is a solution. And And I want you to say just a little bit more about how it helps the environment. Certainly the first piece is is the keeping food out of the landfills. In fact, grocery stores get tax benefits for everything they donate. But then also there's the the transportation aspects because so much of our food comes from far, far away as opposed to down the road. Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that a high percentage of our food comes from farmers, local farmers, right. you're right. That's keeping gas costs down because people are getting local food. I would love it if more farmer partnerships like ours could occur everywhere. I want to thank you, Dave Charlton, Emory and Henry class of 1979, for being our guest today on the Duck Pond Wall and for telling us about Bounty and Soul. And if we want to know more about it, tell us again what the website is. It's uh, www.bountyandandsoul.org. And that's Soul, S-O-U-L. Thank you, Monica. Again, it's a blessing for me. I love it. I encourage everyone to go out there and find their passion. And and dance like a carrot. Exactly. Yeah, All exactly. Right. I want to thank everybody for being with us today on the Duck Pond Wall. And I hope you'll stay tuned for what's coming up next on WEHC FM 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. 